Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, what if you and your family lived in a haunted house, but no one believed it was haunted, but you? You might begin to think you're crazy until it starts happening to your loved ones as well. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. Be sure to press subscribe wherever you download podcasts so you don't miss any episodes of the program. You can get premium content on Apple Podcasts, get advanced episodes of the show, the archive, bonus episodes, all of it there for you, all of it ad-free. So if you want that ad-free experience, check it out. You can try it for three days free on Apple Podcasts. If you're not there, it's on Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Stories, or on our website at ghostpodcast.com. Dot com. It's Tony and Todd with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? Hey, I usually, you usually read the letters and all that kind of stuff. I actually have an email that if you will let me read, it should only take like a moment or yeah. so here. Yeah. Um, I, I work at a station in the UK as, as part of what I do on a daily basis. And uh-huh. I got an email last week and it was by somebody called Joe Lynn. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Joe Lynn is from, but this is how it goes. Uh, she says, this is going to sound odd, whether you're the person I'm thinking and wondering if you are or not, maybe. <laughs> are you the Todd Michaels that co-hosts with and is a longtime friend and ex-boss and so much more of Tony Bruschi? There just isn't a lot of info on you that I could find. Oh, my God. Now I sound like a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I just love Tony Bruschi and all of his podcasts. I love when you're on with them. Just wanted to put a face with the voice. Happy New Year. I hope this is the real Todd. I thinking it is. Keep up the good work. Blah, blah, blah. So it was a little stalkerish, but it was very nice. And I thought I would pass it on to you. That's cool. So they listen. They Are you on the air over there? In, yes. Okay. Yeah. So and, they, and it, this is like the third person that's reached out to me over there and is like, you know, hey, are you so and so with Tony Bruski? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I I still uh, the the only remnant that I still have on FM radio is I do some voiceover for a station in Michigan, and every once in a while I get a letter from somebody going, "Is that you? That's the voice of this station over here." I'm like, yep, yes, it is. Well, don't forget, you're on my show in the afternoon here in Wisconsin, too. Oh, I am, aren't I? So I do do some yeah. voiceover stuff there, too. I forget. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. But no, yeah, that's true. That is true. Interesting. Yeah, it's always fun to hear where people are are listening from and how they're listening to the show. Um, and, and it's a lot of like, when I started doing some of this stuff, it was like, well, I'd like to have something to listen to on this topic when I'm doing whatever it may be. So it's kind of cool when somebody says they're doing that, whatever it may be, and they're they're getting something to listen to. Um, right. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is why I do this. This is fun. So thank you for that uh, that letter. Do appreciate that. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here on Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to our first letter of the day. And it says, when I was 15 years old, my family moved into a new house. My parents told us that we could each pick our own bedroom, and I picked the room in the back. Right next to my room was the garage. The only window in my room overlooked the backyard. I always took pride in my bedroom. I kept it clean and organized. I enjoyed playing with the furniture and rearranged it about once every six months. 
There were many times I would feel someone watching me while I slept and I'd wake up at night. There'd be a figure of someone between four to five feet tall standing beside my bed. I could see the head and shoulders, much like the black figure on the paper at a shooting range. Thought it was black, I could still see through it. Never felt scared and thought it was just a groggy dream. Mentioned it to my family and my mom wouldn't let me talk about it and said I was just trying to scare my younger sisters. As I mentioned before, I kept my room clean and also hated the sight of electronic wires and a little three-foot shelf that I kept my alarm clock on at the foot of the bed. I always ran the alarm clock from the back of the shelf to the front to hide the wire. I started noticing when I came home from school that the wire would be wrapped around the front of the shelf. I'd once again move the alarm clock to the back of the shelf to hide the wire. One night I woke up to see my alarm clock stretched out to the middle of the room about two feet off the floor, sat up, keeping my eyes on the alarm clock. I blinked, thinking this can't really be happening. And when I opened my eyes again, the alarm clock was back on the shelf. Even after knowing what I saw, I still felt no harm and fell back asleep. When I got up the next morning, I looked up the shelf and the wire was wrapped around the front of the shelf again. I pulled out the alarm clock and stretched it out as far as it would go without being unplugged. It was right where I had seen it the night before. I mentioned this at the supper table to my family. My dad looked at me as if I had the best imagination ever, while my mom scolded me once again for trying to scare my sisters. The nightly figures and alarm clock incident had happened at various times while I had my bed on one specific wall. While I continued to rearrange my room every few months, I avoided putting my bed on that wall. Everything then stopped happening. A few years later, in attending a local college, I still lived with my parents in the same room. I got curious. Nothing had happened for a long time, and I thought whatever was there had left. I rearranged my room again and put the headboard of my bed against the wall. Nothing happened for a couple of months. I woke up one night to hear our dog in the backyard barking continuously. She was getting on my nerves and I was about to get up when I heard it. A low, growling voice outside my bedroom window on the outside of our fence. I tried to listen to it. It was a language I had never heard. This was the first time I'd ever been terrified. I started quoting scripture and the growling, mumbling stopped after the first few, few verses. I kept quoting scripture and when I couldn't remember anymore, I sang hymns until I fell asleep. I mentioned that to my Parents only without my sisters around, and once again my dad looked at me with a grin while my mom scolded me. A few years later, my boyfriend and I were getting pretty serious. My dad came to me asking if I would like to continue living in my bedroom after marriage. He'd cut a door frame in the wall that separated my room from the garage and would convert the garage into a kitchen, small living room, a restroom. We could pay a small rent and still save money for a house while my husband-to-be finished college. We accepted the gracious offer. A few weeks before our wedding, I felt that I should tell my fiancé about what happened in my bedroom. He said, whatever you do, don't put the bed on that wall. One night after we had been married for a few months, my husband was at work during the Christmas season. I was on the bed looking at the finances when I thought I heard him come home. I called out his name and there was no answer. I saw a shadow pass through the new doorway leading from the bedroom to the new kitchen. I looked up. And no one was there. I called out to my husband again and there was no answer. Walked into the kitchen about four feet past the refrigerator and a coupon from the top of the refrigerator floated diagonally in the air over my head and fell down in front of me. 
The heater was not on and the fans were turned off. My husband hadn't come home yet. We'd adopted a little beagle puppy. On many occasions, the dog would start growling and barking at a certain point in the air. We knew he was focused on something. A few seconds later, he'd stop. One night, we were sitting on the couch watching TV when the dog jumped off the couch, ran into the bathroom barking and growling. We heard him give a little whimper and saw him back out of the bathroom with his gaze focused on something. He started barking and growling again. My husband and I both saw his nose be knocked towards the ground as if someone had hit him on the nose. My husband said, did you see that? The dog shook it off and continued barking. I got off the couch and called the dog in a calm manner. I slowly walked to him, picked him up, carried him back to the couch. I had an eyewitness. The next time we were at my family's part of the house, I told the story with my husband putting in his views. Once again, my dad grinned. My mom told me very sternly to stop telling these stories that I was only trying to scare my sisters. She reminded me that cheap rent and a decent apartment were a privilege. The dog's nose getting hit is the only thing my husband ever saw while we were living there. He often felt something watching him and could even feel someone just inches from his face. Shortly after our third anniversary, we bought a house and haven't seen anything since. About two years ago, I got a call from my mom. She apologized for not taking me seriously. She said she had just seen it. This was during the day and she was doing laundry right outside the old doorway of my bedroom. And out of the corner of her eye, she saw a figure on the wall. She stopped and looked at it between four to five feet tall, head and shoulders and straight down, much like the figure at the shooting range. She thought that someone must be in the backyard looking in the window and was casting a shadow on the whole wall. She walked to the window and no one was there. She returned to the laundry area and the figure was still on the wall. She walked up to the shadow, rubbed the wall. She walked back into the laundry area, looked back and it was still there. The washer began to agitate, reminding her to put the clothes in the washer. She bent down to grab some clothes off the floor and looked back again and the figure was gone. She believes that it was my great-grandmother who came to visit after passing a few years prior. My great-grandmother lived until she was 97 years old, and I remember her and her death very vividly. I was seeing things way before she passed away. I don't believe that it is her, but it gives me a happy explanation to my mom. Since that time it appeared for my mom... Nothing else has happened. My dad takes mine, my husband's, and now my mom's stories with a grain of salt, not calling us liars, but not fully believing us. Thoughts on all that? You know, I'm not sure if there's anything worse than really feeling like you've got something going on. And I think most people take a step back and go, well, it could be this or it could be that. So many times I hear people tell their story and they'll say, you know, you're going to think I'm crazy or... You know, it wasn't the fan or it wasn't the heater and all. So I do think people actually do try to debunk their own stories. But I don't know if there's anything worse than knowing something's going on and people not believing it. Especially when it's like someone that close to you. Right. I mean, they obviously, you know, had enough respect for this individual that they offered to turn the garage into a, a makeshift department and, and keep them around. They weren't, you know, trying to get rid of them. So... I can imagine the frustration they were feeling during this whole thing. And, you know, 
rightfully so in my mind, the mom finally has an experience and it's like, well, told you so, you know? Mm -hmm. It would just be, it's like, you trust me in all these other things, but you don't believe me here. What, what, that, I don't get that. I don't, even if it's something I normally wouldn't believe in or something, I, I don't I don't know what that even would be, quite honestly. But if if there was a significant person in my life that's saying, look, I experienced this, I would believe them. Or, or at least have the, have the respect to say, you know, I may not necessarily see what you're seeing or experiencing it, but yeah. you've experienced something and I appreciate that. Yeah, and I, I believe that you had a, some sort of experience as to right. what exactly it was. I don't know that we know. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's creepy and weird. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to another letter here. It says Stephanie and I married on a cruise ship in the Caribbean in December many years back, close to ten years after the unexpected death of her first husband at a very young age. We decided before our marriage that I would sell my house, move into the home Stephanie had shared with her late husband. Returning home to England for Christmas, the holiday season was soon over, and we returned to work early in the new year. Within a few days, we noticed that when preparing for work in the mornings, the bathroom smelled of cigarettes. Specifically, we could smell the distinctive aroma of rolling tobacco. Neither Stephanie nor I smoked, but her late husband, Norman, used to roll his own cigarettes. For weeks, we struggled to locate the source of the smell, even to the ridiculous point of climbing into the roof space to check our chimney chimney stack for leaks on the very odd occasion that we lit a coal fire, but we could find no reasonable cause for that smell. Then on February 14th of that year, Valentine's Day, Staffy and I were walking to the train station for our daily commute to London when we instinctively looked at one another and said at the same time, the bathroom did not smell this morning. The shock of that observation stopped us in our tracks. That day was the 10th anniversary of Norman's passing. Norman was a friend of mine and Stephanie and I did not get close until more than six years after his death. We wonder if he was acknowledging our marriage or maybe even blessing it. But since that day in February of that year, the smell of rolling tobacco has never, ever returned. That's an interesting one. And I suppose the feel-good thing is... Yes, he's blessing your marriage, and he's saying, go ahead, sleep with my wife, uh, or whatever, (laughs) which I don't really know that ghosts would do, but uh, maybe he just moved on. Maybe he got sick of of being in that house with you doing his wife. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, you know, this is my mind. Of course, you take me in a twisted direction, but it's like when this is going on and you guys are, you know, bumping uglies or something like that, do you have it in the back of your mind is this guy hanging around watching us? <laughs> and then you're you like, know? holy shit, he is. And he's doing it just like Jerry Falwell Jr. This is creepy <laughs> as shit. <laughs> but he was alive. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's always something, you know, and, and when people talk about like guardian angels or this or that, or it's your grandparents or this, or, it's like, well, do they, do they watch everything I do or do they like kind of go to the other room sometimes? <laughs> Well, and that has crossed my mind, okay, because obviously I've lost my parents and there are times it's like, God, I hope they didn't see me just to do that, you know? It's like, well, I mean, if I was a ghost, I'd be like, you do your thing. I'm going to be out here watching uh, Double Dare or something because, yeah, it's kind of creepy. 
Got one other uh, story here. It says, my name is E, and I live in Downriver, Michigan, just south of Detroit. I purchased a home in January of 2014, so this house was built in 08. Fairly new, so that summer of 2014, I was at work. My wife was at home with the kids. I just had a baby girl, and she was taking time off from work. When I received a call from her, she seemed really scared. By the way, the house was a two-story home, so she tells me, hey, I think someone just broke in and is closing and opening all the cabinets in the kitchen. I quickly rushed home, walked in, checked windows and doors. There was no sign of a forced entry. Nothing that seemed like someone had been inside. She swore the cabinets are being opened and closed hard. The house is wood floors, and from the time we hear the floors creak as if someone is walking in the hall, my son's room always gives me a weird vibe. Sometimes I can see shadows from the corner of my eyes and yesterday late in the day i put my baby girl in her crib closed the door and left her cracked about half an inch so i come down and start hearing her mumble she's 11 months old i go back up and check the door and it's wide open and she's standing up just didn't seem right there There there's no way that she could have opened it she was nowhere near the door no windows were open nothing that could have possibly opened the door i'd like to know what you guys think about this i have tons of stories My family has had a lot of paranormal episodes, including when my grandfather was on his deathbed, and I heard an evil presence was present, but that's another story. I'll write it another time. Thanks for a great show. Uh, I don't know what it is with ghosts and opening and closing uh, cabinet doors, but it seems to be a thing. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's just because the mere size. It's, It's easy to do so that they don't have to gain as much energy. I always find it interesting how there's a lot of theories and thought processes on like when a new baby comes into the house, the energy in the house changes so much with the pregnant mother, the, the, the formerly pregnant mother and the new baby. And that tends to kick up paranormal energy and all that kind of stuff too. Um, I was watching something the other night and there was this baby was crawling out of its bed, like climbing up out of this crib And the top rail of the crib, it actually stood up on it for like 15 seconds. Oh, my God. On Like standing straight up on this top rail and then falls backwards. And it's like, is this thing possessed or what? You know, or something holding it up. Exactly. Because it had been doing the mumbling thing and stuff prior to that as well. Help. My child is possessed. I think that'd be a great new TV show. Where it's good uh, movie, yeah. It, it's like a bunch of crib monitors, and you see the crazy things that happen. Chil- children levitating and all that sort of stuff. Then they do an exorcism that, on the kid, and that w- stuff probably happened to us when we were little. But there were no monitors and stuff around, so nobody saw us flying around the room. You know exactly. You know, I, I have a lot of like ring cameras around, and it, it gets to be almost white noise with the because it makes this little chimey sound every time there's movement. And I have dogs, and there's plenty of reason why it would go off. But I, I, I don't know. I've never, like, I don't go back and I don't watch them unless there's, like, some reason to go back and watch them. But I do wonder if, if one were to go back and watch every single thing, if, if you, would, you would see more stuff than you otherwise are aware of. I bet you would. I bet you would. Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that, though, with my own house. <laughs> you know maybe someday down the road if you're leaving that house and going someplace else you can look back at all the footage well that's what i'm doing right now so <laughs> maybe i should i should look back at all the footage you know we've had some weird things uh last week carol was over here um and she was staying upstairs in the guest bedroom by harper and carol one night 
swore that she thought Harper was out in the hallway trying to screw with her and was making like woo type noises <laughs> and stuff. And then she even heard like a penny, like sounded like it hit the door and then it fell. And I'm like, I don't know, like Harper. I mean, it sounds like something Harper would do. But when Harper's asleep, Harper's out. She doesn't necessarily want to be woken up to do anything for anybody uh, when she's sleeping. I was like, well, maybe she, you know, maybe she woke up and whatever. Um, she swears up and down that she did not do anything at all. Um, and I believe her because she's she's usually be the first person to be like, yeah, I did that. Ha ha ha. Gotcha or whatever. Right. Um, but she's like, no, I, I didn't. And then Harper said that she had heard some knocking at her door the next night and there was nobody out there. And I don't know what to make of it. I, I feel like in the, since we've decided that we're going to be moving, that there has been like some weirdness in this place, almost like well, out of the corner of my eye. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make you're, of it. You're, you're, you know, I think that energy too, like you said, you're kind of fixing things up to, to sell and all that kind of stuff. That's probably, you know, if, if there is anything there, might be stirring that up a little bit. I wonder. I mean, it's a new, fairly new house. It's only like four years old. Um, I've never had anything happen here whatsoever. I mean, I don't know. And I also said to Carol, I said, well, it'll be interesting if this continues when you leave. And and she left and it, nothing has happened since because I think Carol kind of carries some with her wherever she goes. I would, I believe that too. And I don't know Carol that well, but yeah. what I do know of her, I believe that. Also, there's a common denominator. Carol had pr things go on. Your daughter had things go on. You did not. Yeah. Common denominator, you're the one doing it. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't hear out there going Ooh, in the halls in I'm your underwear, you yeah. know, in a bag over your head. And I'm not even realizing it because I'm sleepwalking at that moment in time. And yeah, right. it, yeah this is how it all played out. Check the, the cameras like, oh, my God, look what I did last night. Oh, my gosh. Shouldn't have that many gummies ever again. Uh, let's go to a uh, phone call. Hi. Hello. This is Matt from Oklahoma City again. But I tell you about another one of my experiences that uh, happened since I began my career as a police officer. I'm working on actually year 34 at this point. And this happened back in the early 90s. We had an ice factory in our town and uh, there was a guy who was employed to basically just oversee the building and its uh, operations overnight, sort of a night watchman, if you will. We received a uh, 911 open line phone call from the factory one night, which means that somebody called 911 and then uh, didn't speak and just left the uh, connection open without reporting anything. And just as an aside, if you listeners don't know, if you ever have an emergency where you want to call 911 and you're on a landline, but you don't want the people to know you've called, you can just dial 911 and set the handset down and uh, it'll automatically register your location doesn't work as great for cell phones, but works perfectly for landlines. Anyway, I'm going to guess that this was one or two in the morning when we got this call. And I responded there with another officer 
and uh, we made contact with the night watchman, explained to him the nature of the call, and he let me and the other officer inside, and we began looking through the, the factory, all of which was uh, machinery on the ground level. And uh, the officers were upstairs, so he escorted us upstairs, and uh, it was quite dark up there. All the lights were out. We're using our handheld lights, and uh, all the offices on this in this hallway had uh, Lexan type uh, glass. Uh, in the windows that faced the hallway so you could see into the offices. We started going through the offices and had asked dispatch for the last four digits of the phone number that was called from so that we could identify which um, extension the call had come from. And none of them matched. We got to the end of this hallway, which was pretty narrow because most of the space was taken up by offices. And when we got to the end of the hallway, there were two or three offices behind a locked door. Um, but there were still the, the Lexan uh, fixtures or, or I guess you'd say glass so that you could actually see inside those offices. And we asked the night attendant to let us in, and he told us that the, he had no key to those three offices. And apparently they were uh, offices of the higher ups, and he said that no one would have access to those offices until 8 or 8.30, whatever the the office hours were in the morning. So I shined my light through the Lexan into the offices just to see what I could see. And in one of the three offices in the dark, I could see the handset of one of the telephones laying out on the desk. And there was no one inside the offices and there was no access to those offices. I'll call back later with uh, other experiences. Thank you for sharing that story. Phones are creepy. There's a lot of weird things that I think that do get used by paranormal things to to get attention. I'm I, maybe thinking of the same phone things here right now. I'm thinking of the, the phone system back in our original radio station in in Wisconsin. And uh, the phones would light up and it would be like solid calls at odd hours of the day when people weren't there. Um, I remember seeing that so many times at night where I couldn't explain why are all these lines looking like they're being used. And I think that like a lot of the equipment that paranormal researchers use, like spirit boxes and, and recording devices and all that kind of stuff, for whatever reason... The electronics of a phone, the audio of a phone, all that kind of stuff lends itself to be kind of an instrument that they try to use to communicate. Sure. And, and um, yeah, they are creepy. And I'll, I don't like I would like to ask him, how did you feel when you saw that? What's what's your first in instinct? Here's a guy who's been a cop for a long time, mm -hmm. has probably seen some very nasty stuff, but 
knowing that that office was locked, knowing that this call came through, seeing it sit there. I mean, does he get a little, you know, weak in the knees when stuff like that happens? I'd love to know. Yeah, I would too. It's very, and what do you think about this too? When you have the device that let's say you, you hear something through on a specific phone, does that device, is that device something unique then to it? Is that one that you'd hold on to? Uh, like I heard a ghost through this phone, or I, you know, is there something about the specific devices uh, or or phones and such that pick up things more so than another version of of that same product? Yeah, I really think so, and and I'll tell you why. Because um, for people who do investigating and and are doing audio work, recording, you, know, you can go out and get a really nice audio recorder these days. You can even use your phone for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. But there is one specific. Uh, brand, I think it's Panasonic. There is one from early, early in digital life mm-hmm. that if you if you try to buy that, they're they're worth about two thousand dollars online right now. Oh wow! Because for whatever reason, the way they're built, the technology at that point, they are they have seen some of the best results for catching audio recordings of them uh, EVPs. So there's How something. Weird. I, I, yeah, uh, there is something about that that is very, very true. True. How strange that, because, uh, I mean, a lot of things, you know, they're made somewhat similarly, but it would be interesting to understand why that specific model, and, and if one was able to recreate it, would, would then that also be able to to pull in um, things in a similar way? Yeah, I, I yeah. There's something about that, and I think that um, if you can somehow replicate that, I'm looking at one right now. It's an RRDR60 Panasonic. Uh huh. Five thousand dollars for this particular unit, and there's other versions of it that are newer that you know are costing like two hundred or three hundred dollars. But this specific one that is like the holy grail of recording for EVPs. This one that I'm looking at right now is $5,000. I'm looking at one on eBay right now. And and when these were new, they would have been what? You know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks? I'd... Maybe, yeah. And, and the technology being so new, maybe it was a little bit more at that point. But yeah. still. Well, here, I found a couple other on eBay that... I don't know if these are the same ones that are a little bit cheaper, but... I don't know. Um, that, that's so yeah, it's, interesting. It's the RRDR60, and there are some spinoffs of that that came out later, but they're not apparently as good at at grabbing that audio. Wow. That's so... I know people that use it, and every time they use it, they get stuff. That's how good it is. Oh, wow. Well, maybe they were like, you know, cursed in the factory or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Panasonic family had some horrible dark story there that we don't know something about. Going, well i want like you know with bunk beds and stuff where like you have there's like an there's always been an influx of stories involving bunk beds it does make me wonder like was there some sort of factory where the bunk beds were all cursed or the the wood that was used and it had something happen to it i also wonder that it was just you know lumber in general like okay you got lumber from these trees but what happened with these trees when they were i'm sure most of them nothing but, you know, I'm sure there'd be a handful that were like, well, this tree actually was used to hang some people. And now it's a part of this lovely armoire over here that, you know, at Ashley. But you really would have no idea because it was just, you know, a bunch of wood. What is it about bunk beds? I mean, is it I because know. you've got two humans and their energy above and below one another? I mean, there is something where every bunk, bunk yeah. bed is haunted. I don't know. I mean, it all goes back to me to that uh, story in Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, I know. 
in uh, what 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 was the town? Was it Oakfield? No, it was around Mayville? that. Area. No, a bunk bed because it was just like there was there was uh, something I saw the other day where it was the anniversary of the story. Um, gosh, I can't even think of it. Haunted bunk beds, bunk beds, Wisconsin. Uh, Horicon, Horicon was where it was. Horicon, yep. It was the Tallman family. Yeah, it's uh, it was always an interesting one for me, and because they went, you just look up the old unsolved mysteries episode, and you'll see what it was. But it was uh, it was a creepy thing, and it always made me like wonder about bunk beds. And then the weirdest thing was when I started doing the show twenty some years later, I get influxes of bunk bed stories. So <laughs> almost like almost like play by play, if you were be able to like keep a, a journal of what all the stories were about over all the years, there's a weird spike. Yeah, and be able to like at at the stroke of a key pull up all the bunk bed stories and see what you got. That, yeah, that'd be crazy. There would definitely be a spike there, and it, it, for being such a weird, inanimate object that doesn't really, there's nothing otherwise connected to it that you go, oh, that will be haunted, <laughs> right? Like a salad shooter or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that. I mean, it's just it's about <laughs> as weird as a salad shooter being haunted. Like, why would the bunk bed be haunted? I don't know. You don't hear about like other beds by, like being haunted or anything. It's always bunk beds. It seemed to be the, the thing. So I don't know. It's it's weird, but it uh, it it's there. There's truly a, a spike in those numbers. Maybe someday, uh, you know, I can look back at those uh, and, and see what that actually is. All right. That's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. If you like it, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person. Get bonus episodes online at uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you download them, and uh, get yourself advanced episodes, all commercial free, or patreon.com slash Stories or online at ghostpodcast.com. Until next time, for all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening. <laughs>